welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is October the 30th, 2019, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, recently I had an opportunity to sit down with one of our dear staff members, Shari Black, and I actually was able to sit down with her twice. And today we want to actually just talk about her story as an adopted child. Uh, Shari was adopted at a very young age, uh, was grown, grew up in a family, came to know the Lord, but has also served in child welfare for many, many years, both in Detroit as well as in Kansas City and in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, but the thing that what I really want us to hear today from Shari was what it was like being adopted and brought in to a family. And you know, ultimately, adoption is one of the ways that we show that we are pro-life. Being pro-life and bringing justice to those in need, they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, being pro-life, we love, we serve, and we fight for those who are made in God's image. From the pre-born to those who are struggling under oppression and injustice to those who are nearing the end of life. That's why our team recently wrote the book entitled Image Bearers, which is available for purchase now. My prayer is that this book will help us understand what it truly means to be pro-life and how we can live with that conviction in the world today. And so you can go and purchase the book Image Bears today by visiting lifelinechild.org backslash image bears. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash image bears. Go online today, order a copy for yourself as well as multiple copies for your small group or your church. Well, I am so uh, just blessed to have Miss Shari Black on the Defender podcast today. And Shari has been a friend for a long time as the Lord has used her in so many different ways, both in Detroit with the Department of Human Services and Child Protection, uh, but even more recently in the state of Kansas uh, through Child Protection in the state office for uh, the state of Kansas. The Lord has used this choice saint in so many different ways in state government, defending children, fighting for the rights of children, uh, protecting children. And so she knows what it means to be on the inside of child protection. But also, Shari knows what adoption looks like, both because she herself was adopted, but also she and her uh, husband have also adopted as well. One of the the cool things, though, is the Lord in the last several months uh, led Shari to retirement from the state of Kansas, which means that she was a free agent and available to come onto the team at Lifeline. And I tell you, as you will learn more about her, you will see what a blessing it is that the Lord truly has brought her to Lifeline and how blessed we are as a staff to have her here. And so, Shari, I know that your encouragement can, your story can be an encouragement to many of the families and many of our partners that listen to this podcast. So do you mind, just as we begin, telling us a little bit about your personal adoption story? Sure. That would be my pleasure. Um, Well, to be very honest, my life began as an orphan. Uh, I was an abandoned baby. Um, I was uh, a newborn, um, abandoned, um, and came into the child welfare system in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I, it was interestingly enough, for years I did not know where I was found. Um, my, I always knew my adoption story. My mother told me that um, 
shared my adoption story with me when I was about three or four years old and done it in a, in a very beautiful way um, to where I said, wow, thank you for loving me so much. Can I go back out and play? Um, but, you know, but from that moment on, I felt a little bit different, um, even though I was surrounded by many, many uh, others in my family were adopted uh, in, our, in our network. And so I grew up thinking of adoption as something very normal. But I remember looking back at that moment, there was something that shifted for me. Um, and then when I was about 14, um, it hit me um, hard that I had uh, another story. And so I asked my mother, um, you know, for information about my um, background. And that was when she said, you know, shared that I had been abandoned at birth and they didn't have any information on me or didn't know where I was found or anything like that. So you can imagine the speculation and um, feeling less than and all the, how the enemy could just wreak havoc with that. Um, and then when I became an adoption professional, um, years later, I wrote back to the county that um, placed me and the agency that was involved with my parents' adoption and found out, uh, interestingly enough, that I was actually uh, placed in a church and um, uh, wrapped only in a bloodstained towel, as the record said, and um, but was a viable baby, um, had the cord was still attached, and um, uh, was spent the first then four months of my life in, um, in foster care um, before I got to go home. Mm. And I know that certainly your own personal journey and story has, has shaped so much of your life, both professionally, but then also personally. And so you and Byron, just even as you were building your family, you know, your family, you have four children and, you know, your children have come into your home different ways, either biologically or through adoption. Um, talk about even when you and Byron were first starting a family, how adoption and foster care was such a piece of, of that story and a calling even on your personal lives. Okay. Well, when he and I met, I was already working in adoption. Um, and, um, and so because I'm adopted and, you know, was working in the field, it was even when we were dating, it was, you know, we we're going to adopt. And so we, you know, we're going, we just knew that that was going to be part of our story. And so we, um, uh, we, we had uh, one child by birth and then um, um, the Lord made it very clear when it was time for us to begin our adoption journey. It was not where we decided, yes, okay, we're ready. And then we went and knocked on an adoption agency's door. It was he worked a set of circumstances very uniquely and made it clear that it was time. And we were accepting of that. Um, and even though it was a hard time, it was okay. You want us to start adopting now. So we did. And uh, he actually, our, each of our children, so our, we have four children and our younger three are ours to adoption. Everybody's an adult now. But he brought each one of them into, you, into our lives in a unique way and made it very clear that he wanted us to adopt them. Mm. And, you know, recently 
we had a, a big event here in Birmingham for our organization. We have these events throughout the country. Uh, several months ago, I was in Kansas and got to partner with Shari and the team there for our dinner event in Kansas. But but in the, for the one in Birmingham that was several weeks ago, you know, as as we were there uh, after the program came up, this lady uh, sought me and she was cleaning up the tables for the hotel. And she said, I just wanted you to know that today is my first day on the job. And she said, and, and, and it's a job, honestly, I lost my other job and this was not the job I wanted to have. She said, but I know that God ordained for me to be here because I was adopted at birth. And she said, um, and just to hear the way that, that was talked about, it was celebrated. She said, I needed to hear that. And so she started just to tell me her story and the challenges of, of adoption. She actually ended up losing her parents uh, when she was, was a teenager, her adoptive parents. Um, ended up being able to go through school, got a, got a job at a hospital. And while she was working there through a series of events, actually ended up uh, helping her her biological brother and was able to be reunited with her biological family uh, and she just she just talked to me so much uh, you know about just the joy of adoption but also the challenges that adoption brought for her and so Shari I know you have such a wealth of experience experiencing adoption both personally um, as an adoptee but also as an adoptive mother and then as a professional just in, in all of your experiences in your life, what are just some of the true blessings of adoption that you have learned? And then what are some of the true challenges of adoption that you've learned and experienced as well? Hmm. Well, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> one is um, the privilege of stepping into um God's redemption story. Um, and I, you know, there was times in um, my life where I really struggled with being adopted, um, being different. Um, even though I said, you know, I had a lot of people around me um, who were adopted, you know, when um, I remember one day I was in uh, school and, you know, the girls were in the bathroom and they were talking about, oh, you look like so-and-so and your family and all of that. And I had this biggest pain in my heart because I don't know who I look like. And I couldn't join in that conversation and it just felt like such a huge loss. Um, you know, so there are those kind of heartbreaking times that when you are different than a lot of others, um, that are hard, but as I've come to speak to my heart through my years uh, of growth and maturity, um, I've learned that, you know, that God uniquely designed me. There, one time in, in particular, you mentioned this woman that you were sharing about um, um, her, she lost her parents. Right after my, my mother died, so my adoptive mom, um, she passed, I hit a really hard time because she had been the keeper of my identity. And so I was a little girl lost, even though I was 30 years old at the time. And, um, but God really met me in a particular hard day. And he showed me Psalm 139 um, and verses 13 through 16, where I realized, and I don't know that I'd ever read that Psalm before this day, 
but I realized that God knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, when you knit, I knit and crochet. Well, I crochet more than I knit, but <laughs> you're intentional. You have a plan. You have a pattern that you are following. You know what you are doing. Every stitch is important and intentional. And that those verses speak so richly to me and have for the past 30 some years have spoken so richly to me. And I think that that's the beauty and the blessing of adoption is that every child, no matter um, how they come to a family, um, whether they're born into a family, they are uniquely designed and created by our father. And some of us, he chooses um, the story of adoption to illustrate his adoption of us. And so uh, I would say that that's the, the blessing of it, to, to, to know that you're part of his story. As an adoptive mom, um, you know, people, you know, when you're talking with prospective parents, they're saying, well, I, you know, especially those that aren't sure about adoption, they may say, I don't know if I could love a child that wasn't my own. Well, I tell you, you know what, you hang on any baby long enough and that child is your own. And you love them. I don't love my children any differently. Um, I mean, they each have their own unique personality, but I don't love my daughter from birth any more than I love my daughters or my son through adoption. And so, you know, there's not a difference. I am their mother, and they just came to our family in different ways. But God placed each of them uniquely in our family. Um, the challenges. When you adopt children from hard places, um, and maybe you know that hard place or not, um, the story of adoption brings a story of loss as with it. Um, you know, as an adoption professional, especially when I was working uh, with families who adopt infants, even though that, that adoptive parent may be there and may be the first one to hold that baby after that baby is born, that baby still experiences a loss because that child got to know the rhythm and the voice of their birth mother. And that is a loss that while the child may not experience it and remember it on a cognitive level, on an emotional level, it's there. And so um, the chosen baby story works um, until the child gets to be, you know, maybe latency age 9, 10, 11, 12. Um, and, you know, where you have the uh, that recognition that in order for there to be this lovely adoption story, there was another story that I may have to grieve. And I, I do have to grieve. And so that's, that's the challenge. And if there were some experiences that the children may have had um, prior to coming home to their adoptive family um, that were not healthy um, or, you know, that were not in their best interest, you know, then there's that layer as well. So, you know, whenever you're walking alongside of somebody um, holding them in your heart, holding them in your lap, um, in your life, um, you experience and you go through their pain as they are trying to come to grips with who they are um, uh, as, and as, as an individual, but also who they are in Christ and wrestling with that. 
um, I'll be honest, there was some things that happened in in my family. I had some experiences that uh, I really str had to struggle as an adult with. You know, Jesus, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. How did you allow this to happen? And um, our children sometimes have those experiences and, and, and it's hard. You know, yes, Jesus loves me, but because of sin and brokenness in our world, hard things happen. And you just can't say, well, you know, yes, loving Jesus is important and is enough, but it doesn't necessarily take away the, the pain or the heartache or the journey through healing. Um, so that's what I would say about the blessing and the challenges. Mm. And one of the things that that you just brought up to was was identity, this search for who who am I really? And I know, and you and I have talked about this a lot in different contexts. I say a lot. We've talked about this in different contexts, even you know, how much multicultural adoption too comes into play and how a lot of times, especially Caucasian families will adopt these precious African-American or, or, you know, even Asian or Hispanic infants, not thinking about even the cultural diversity and, you know, being sensitive to cultural diversity and being just sensitive to, unfortunately, the way that sin has corroded our world in so many different ways. You know, talk a bit and just as families are entering into a world of even multicultural adoption, you know, just things that they need to be present about, to be thinking about, and to be aware about. Um, I'm going to share what I heard, and I won't quote it directly, but uh, I heard that um, the, the best thing I ever heard was from an, uh, a Caucasian family that adopted Af an African-American child. And they said it best, is that they realized that when they adopted an African-American child, that they no longer had the privilege of being a white family. Um, that they, um, they had to recognize that they entered into the culture of their child. Um, and what that means in society. And, um, uh, and I think that some families that adopt transracially um, aren't necessarily prepared for that shift. They may think that I love this child and they're mine and I don't see color. Well, that's, that's great, but everybody else does. And that child, you cannot deny that that child is a different color. And so to say that you don't see color is a way saying that you don't see your child because they are who they are, who God created them to be. And so it is, you know, I think that families have to be ready to embrace all that their children bring. And, you know, just like when we adopted, you know, we were, you know, what any adoption, you're, you're adopting all that that child experienced, all the genetic um, past that comes with them, all the um, experiences that they may have had before um, they came to your home, especially those that may have impacted them in utero. Um, and so it's, you know, to recognize that you have to join with your child. And, and that means you're going to have to get educated. If your child has, um, uh, and I'm not affiliating, associating race with a, you know, a, a disability or a medical condition or anything, but Anything that your child brings to you, 
you are going to have to get educated and up to speed on that and understand what that means for you. And so, um, and your family and, and how that's going to impact you and your family. And so, um, you know, so adopting transracially, you know, that's, you know, that's part of that as well. And I guess just, just thinking through your experience, again, both as an adoptee, but also as a, a mom who has three children that were brought into her home through the marvelous gift of adoption, what advice would you give to first-time adoptive parents, and especially those with younger children, as they really do speak into this idea of identity? I mean, you, you talked about so eloquently, you know, the whole thing that you were chosen works when they're very young, but even as these children are growing up, what advice would you give these parents to really helping their children explore their identity? Well, you know, we at Lifeline have the benefit um, of working with families who um, have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ and um, know uh, and, and have accepted him as their Savior and Lord. Um, I think that helping that child understand who they are in Jesus is number one and recognizing that they are a design creation by him. And yes, hard things may have happened, but God helping them to see that God was in it. Um, and, and because those are skills that you have to use throughout your life as you walk in this broken world, um, there are going to be some hard things that happen that make no sense, that just leave you reeling. But you have to speak to your heart and remind yourself of you know, who God is and of his love and, um, and that our foundation and our faith and our trust and our hope is in him alone. And so working with your child, especially as you help them to come to grips with the hard things that they may have experienced and the, the hurt and the pain in their lives, you just got to, you know, give them that foundation, connect their faith with it. Do never, never disconnect their experience from the love and care of God. And I don't know if that makes sense, but you, you have to, um, I, I wish that, um, you know, even though I grew up in a Christian home and I'm, my parents were, were wonderful. Um, they, I, I wish that I did not, know my identity in Christ. I knew my identity, you know, as, um, you know, as the parents of my, ch uh, of the, ch as the uh, daughter of my parents and in their family, but I really didn't get, you know, I had a faith in God, but I really didn't get how he was my foundation and that connection of him as my father um, and how my identity was in him. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if that makes sense, but I did not, even though I was, I was 31 years old, actually, when, when God showed me that verse. And um, I, it was then that I truly began to live, even though I had functioned and been, you know, had a professional life and, you know, and had two degrees by then and all. Um, but it wasn't until he showed me that I was his design creation and 
he had been with me every step of the way, and nothing that happened in my life was a surprise to him, even the yucky stuff. But he was going to use it for to be a blessing to me and for his glory if I allowed him to. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.